welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater, hearing news, reviews, discussion, and of course stories. I am your host, Fred, and that great theme. Music is by Roger Grego of Crazy Dog Audio Theater, and we're keeping the Halloween horror going on full kilt here. Uh, one of my favorite new, uh, re- reasonably new artists in the field is John Ballantyne with his Campfire Radio Theater, uh, maybe it was a year, maybe two years ago, uh, we featured uh, Hungry Hollow, which he did, which was just spooky as hell. Um, he's done many other shows since then. They're all campfireradiotheater.podbean.com, and you can see him. Um, he's pretty active on the various uh, you know, the Facebook forums and other spots where audio dramatists congregate. Uh, this particular title I love because it's a mashup of, uh, well, it's a fantastically produced show that's spooky. Um, it's also a mashup with some of our friends at, um, Yap Audio, which, uh, you know, Matthew McLean and Robert Coodmore, who are sort of the, the, the team that is, does the audio drama production podcast. So it's kind of fun to, uh, have them, uh, be who, who are basically, they do the UK pr- uh, production of this show and it'll make sense why they recorded it in the UK because it's based on an actual historic tale of um, a haunted, well, maybe haunted, a lighthouse where there's some mystery that is unsolved to this day. So perfect fodder for uh, a spooky story sort of thing. So John Ballantyne, very talented chap, um, and the production and cast members all work great. It's got some original music by uh, Kevin Hartnell. And without further ado, let's get spooked at the Ghosts of Flannan Lighthouse. Welcome, friend. Have a seat by the fire. Make yourself comfortable. Lashed by wind and sea, the Isle of Aileen Moor stood resolute in the northern waters off the Scottish mainland. A grim sentinel of primordial rock, it rose from the abyss, towering above the frigid brine with sheer stone cliffs. Upon this lofty perch stood bold the lighthouse of the Flannan Isles, piercing darkness and grey mist with a lamp that shone every thirty seconds under shroud of night. Until that fateful winter's eve when the lamp would go dark, and the three keepers of the deep sea light would vanish from this cursed isle without a trace. And it is that very mystery, perhaps hidden in the white tower or sable stone of Flannan Island, that still haunts the hearts of men who man the lights of the northern sea. You're listening to Campfire Radio Theatre. Tonight, a salty tale of the sea washes ashore and springs from the fertile imaginings of John Ballantyne, ripped from the headlines of 1900 and based on the factual account of relief lighthouse keeper Joseph Moore. With a dash of our own campfire embellishment for good measure, we present a historic mystery and attempt to resurrect the ghost of Flannan Lighthouse. Steady on your course. Sound the horn again. 
Oi, cock dead. Still no movement on shore. Nothing I can see, cock dead. Quiet as a bloody tomb. Tomb's right. A haunted isle it is. All manner of spirits and devils walk Stow that tomb and send up a flare. I've got the wheel, lad. Aye, sir. No one yet to greet us? What by the looks of it, Mr. Moore? But I'll be giving it a wee bit more time. More time? Captain, we must go ashore as soon as we dare. A monster awaits at the foot of that island, Mr. Moore. Frothing, fanged, and deadly. Monster? You mean the rocks? I mean the Atlantic. The waters are too rough to make landing without assistance from shore. I must agree. But the lighthouse has stood dark for better than a week now. If not for the weather hampering our efforts, I should have already arrived in relief. The sea is a bloody hoar this season. What with the fog and squalls. And without yonder lighthouse, night passage is blacker than the Earl of Hell's waistcoat. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. I should tell you though, Mr. Moore, don't be dismayed by what you may find there this fair boxing day. Not certain I take your meaning, sir. I don't hold with the superstitions of my crew. An easily spooked lot they are. But surely there'll be a foul wind at work here. There is a sound explanation for what's taken place. I hold every bit of high hope we'll discover all three men healthy and well. I hope. I hope. That's what your lips say, Mr. Moore. Your eyes, though. Well, they speak another tale, don't they? Still no movement on the island, Captain. Aye. Ready to landing boat, Mr. McCormick. You'll accompany Mr. Moore on to land. Let's get to the bottom of this. I pray for your safety, lads. And haste you back. As we set foot on land, there was an odd feel to the air. To this day I can barely express it in words. A chill ran through my bones, more bitter than any winter gale. An abstract fear I've not known before or since. I called to the lighthouse crew, James Duckett, Thomas Marshall, Donald MacArthur, we were met only by an ungodly silence. Is no one here? Upon inspection of the station, we found all clocks wound to a stop, frozen in time. M Mr. Duckett! A table set for a meal, an overturned chair, a cold fire grate, but not a living soul was to be seen. I just checked the outbuilding. No sign of them? Not yet. The others are inspecting the grounds now. I must say, I expected black news here, but not this. Bloody witchery it is. Searching the living quarters, I found the beds made. All was in order. But where were the keepers? There was not a clue as to what befell them. What's this? Catching my eye, I discovered upon Principal Keeper Duckett's bed, barely concealed under a pillow, a leather-bound journal 
I soon poured through it feverishly, begging for some answer as to what occurred on this barren rock. Its pages were blood-stained. Dear God, it's all here. What I will tell you here and now, I've never shared with another Christian soul. It is a mortal testament to what happened, and I beseech you to never breathe a word of it, for I fear that not a single man would ever venture to that haunted isle of Flannan again. Here are the words of headkeeper James Duckett upon his arrival. We disembarked to some fanfare as the departing crew of Flannan Lighthouse insisted we remove our hats. Apparently some old superstition propagated by the sheep herders that once drew breath here. It was First Assistant MacArthur that reminded me this lighthouse commenced operation a year ago to the day. A fitting time to begin our tour of labour and isolation as we relieved the departing crew. Already begging for table scraps, you scrappy beggar. The lad's not feeding you, eh? Here you go, puss. Have at it. May you get that door for me, Mr. MacArthur? Aye. Sounds like the lads are off and away. Send your gear to the side, Marshal. Have a sip of this black concoction Duckett calls coffee. Where is Mr. Duckett? Conducting a check of the station, no doubt. We started that one. Not so much room to lose oneself here, is there? Not much room for even a man's shadow here on Ailand Moor, Mr. Marshal. Those structures we passed, off to the east side, what were they? Just some old rock dwellings. One's a chapel, I believe. Not much left of them. People lived here? Aye. In olden times. I wonder what kind of folk would have lived on this isle. Well, everything appears in order, gentlemen. Seems we're in tip-top shape. Mr Duckett, the rigging for the crane near the landing was a bit loose when we were loading our supplies. You've a sharp eye, Mr Marshall. Shall I fetch your tools and tighten her up? That should be most agreeable. Are you in need of assistance? I can manage. Very good. Dusk will be upon us in a few hours. Mr. MacArthur, will you lend a hand in preparing the lamp for the evening? Aye, I am at your service, Mr. Duckett. How's the lamp mechanism? Check the gears. Watch the swivel mount there. Ah, I see. Nothing that'll cause a snag, I should think. The wicks are trimmed. Let's finish the lenses and outward glass. Aye. Call it done. Looking forward to a wee refreshment. Grand bloody view it is from here. Hmm. A rare beauty, this lonely strip of rock. Almost makes one forget what's left behind. The nagging wife and screaming brats. What do you think drew me to this line of work in the first place? <laughs> Indeed. What brought you to this service, Duckett? Other than the wife. Well, it's honest work. Keeping the lanes safe, the boats clear of the cape. When dawn breaks on these waters and the light is dimmed here, You've accomplished something important. Aye. Something even noble, I expect. Ah, I knew it. What's that, MacArthur? <laughs> Mr. James Duckett's the last of the true romantic. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> what the bloody devil is she up to? Marshal, you should be sleeping for his watch. Where is he? Down there, straight on. What's he doing? Visiting those ruins again. The Rock Chapel. Why is he so curious of the damn place, I wonder? He's made a habit of it. The lad's been out there every free moment, wandering about, took to wearing that wood cross around his neck. Maybe he's found religion. Or it's found him. 
gives me the willies sometimes. That look in his eyes. What look would that be, MacArthur? You have not seen it? Not certain that I have. Oh, you'd know. Reminds me of the look a man has at the gallows. That look in the eyes just before the hangman's noose be slipped about his neck. Busy, I see. Trying to keep the place tidy, Mr. Duckett. How did repairs to the crane go the other day? Took longer than I planned, but I believe it to be secured safely, sir. You look pale, Mr. Marshall. I feel well enough. You've been detached lately. The isolation here can have ill effect on the hardiest of men. In truth, I welcome the isolation, Mr. Duckett. Mm. MacArthur tells me you've been exploring the island a bit, investigating the old rock dwellings. Is that an interest of yours? Ancient peoples? Cultures? I don't really claim much knowledge of such things, but... Mr. Duckett, there is something you should know. I hesitate to speak of it, but... Well, I trust you won't think me mad. What is it, Marshal? The truth is, I've discovered that... that there are people here on this island. People, you say? Other than you and MacArthur and myself. Aye. <laughs> Marshal, uh, I believe you were mistaken. I wish I was mistaken. I scarcely believe it myself, but God in heaven, I've seen them. At the ruins? What do these people look like? They're poor wretched creatures. As if the blood run from them. Forsaken, hollow eyes. Mr. Marshall, this is a most inhospitable place. You know very well this time of year. That can't be... I cannot be... deny what more eyes have witnessed, sir. How can that be possible? Think of it, lad. The elements here are treacherous. How would they survive? That's what concerns me most, sir. I don't know that they do live. I see. Are you one that believes in spirits, then, Mr. Marshall? Ghosts? They say the dead have walked this world. I know not if that be truth. I could only tell you what I've seen with my own eyes. Maybe you should get some rest. Just for a day or two. Even when I don't see them, I hear her voice. Her voice? Aye. She calls me by name. Tells me to do these things. Bloody terrible things. What manner of things? Unspeakable acts, Mr Duckett. She's a fiend and most persuasive as only a woman can be. At first she haunted only my dreams, but now I hear her well at duty, well at breakfast. Any moment of the day she may call. Have a gander at yourself in the mirror. You look as if you've not slept in Do you days. not hear her, Mr. Duckett? That voice, sweet as dew upon honeysuckle. The ears play tricks her on sweet body. lips whisper those perversions. I do not even hear now. this voice. Then I am mad. You must get your rest. We will split your shift this evening. Trust me. Everything will be fine. You're sure, Mr. Duckett? In my years, I've witnessed men overcome with fatigue, beat down by labour and loneliness. You're as sane as any of us, but we all require relaxation. Thank you, sir. And I pray you're right, but I fear that... Go on. You fear what? I fear there is an evil that lives here. While I try to reassure Mr. Marshall, and perhaps myself for that matter, I couldn't help but be concerned for his state of mind. 
But with no further incident, I began to feel comforted by what seemed a return to routine. All that would change just a few days later. Mr. Duckett, over here! What is it, MacArthur? You'd best have a look! Saw the lad again out this way earlier. Had an ill feeling about it. What did you find? Step inside. See for yourself. Dear God. What has he been doing? Near as I can tell, the lad set up some kind of altar. Here in the centre of the chapel. It's stained with blood. See the feathers? He's been trapping seabirds. Found a snare not far from here. But to what purpose? Well, they're not much of a meal. Food is no issue. We've still plenty of provisions. But have a look here. He's not cleaning them for food. He's just slaughtering them. Aye, right on this altar. Some pagan ritual of some sort. Now, we've not heard Marshall's side. There may be an explanation to be had for all this. Well, that'd be a merry little tale, I should think. No doubt, but we have little choice but to bear with him until relief arrives in a week's time. God willing, and weather allows. With any luck, you'll be back home with the nagging wife and wee ones before Father Christmas makes his rounds. Never thought I would relish that notion. (laughs) What's this down here? Oh, bloody hell. You found something else? I found the cat. But it appears Marshall's blade found him first. Damn. One thing's certain, Duckett. What's that? Marshall is a troubled lad. Marshall took ill the next day, bedridden with high fever. MacArthur and I split his duties and worried we might be stricken with the same ailment. But it soon became apparent that Marshall's fever was less a sickness of the body and more of the mind. Thank you for coming to my bedside, Mr. Duckett. Is there something I can do for you, lad? A wee spot of water would be welcome. Here you go. Bless you. Bless us all. MacArthur said you had had words of some urgency. Mr. Duckett, I talked the other day. You remember? I do. You assured me that rest may, well, it might relieve me of these apparitions, the voice that haunts me as well. You remember my predicament? A difficult thing to forget, Mr Marshall. I'm afraid your advice has not cured me of this madness. I heeded your words, yet still I hear that voice as the wind sweeps over the island. This lass... God help me. Did she instruct you to do dreadful things in the chapel ruins? Yes, well, partly. It was inspired by her words. Surely you hear her now in this moment, just as I do. I do not hear another voice here. You resist her charms. How do you resist? What does she tell you? You must understand. I hope to appease her with the offering, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't what she required. Marshal, don't get out of bed. I only held her wrath at bay. You're too weak. You must hear me out. Those people I saw, they were trying to warn now us. This fever has you quite out of your head. Lay back. Listen to I'll me. I'll fetch some cold water for churns to the north of us. There's a storm coming. It'll be unlike anything we've ever seen in our darkest terrors. You fancy yourself some prophet? Rage and claw away at this island with a dreadful fury. How do you know this? These are her own words, Mr. Duckett. 
She says the sea will rise up and sweep this tiny island of every structure, every living thing. It will not cease until we are all quite dead and swallowed by the depths, unless... Unless... Unless there is... Sacrifice. Unless there is a sacrifice. What in the devil's name are you talking about, lad? What kind of sacrifice? It sends a shiver up my spine to contemplate. I dare not even repeat it, but... Blood and flesh of living creatures such as you and myself, Mr. Duckett. Blood. It is this the mistress requires to stay her hand. Cleanse yourself in the blood. The mistress. My blood ran cold, for in that moment I finally knew what Marsha was trying to say. This ghostly voice, whether a figment of his fevered state or a product of a deranged mind, was instructing him to offer up a human sacrifice, to kill one of us. I dared not share this news with MacArthur, but as I stepped out to have a breath in the bitter night air, I found him staring off into the sea. Amazing, isn't it? What's that, MacArthur? That light, burning at a hundred thousand candles. A beacon for all to see in a clear night as this. Twenty miles or more. Aye. A modern feat of engineering she is. Don't get used to the calm seas, though. How's that? Marshall says there's a storm over the horizon. Well, that's cheerful. How's he... Ah, don't spoil it. A medium now, is he? The woman's voice told him. Poor mad bastard. What are we to do with the lad? I don't know. Just hope he doesn't get worse. Hard enough to keep this place in order without playing nursemaid. Sounds like a liner. Aye, she's a single stack. I see her lights off to the west there. Must be eight, nine miles out. A fair night for her. She's making for the yards down at the... uh, Down at... What's wrong? There's someone moving down there. Coming up the bloody gantry. You see it? What? Good Lord, how can that be? How can it be? MacArthur! Arthur, have you gone daft? There's no one here. I swear, I saw it, Duckett. There was the figure of someone coming up these steps from the landing. A seal, perhaps. It was no creature. It was a person. There's no sign of any... MacArthur! MacArthur, what's wrong with you? Do you feel it? Feel what? We're being watched. That's not possible. I tell you, there are eyes upon us. What makes you say so? I, I, I don't know, but... Merciful God, could the lad be right? What if this place is haunted? I'll not entertain such folly. People dwelled here on this island long before we arrived, practising Lord knows what manner of pagan debauchery. I'm going back to the station. It's unwise to leave the light unattended. Aye. Give me a moment. I'll be along. The first day of the storm struck hard, but was tolerable. By the second day, however, a stiff gale rose from the north, chilling us to the marrow, and with it followed the blackest squall line I did ever see. The winds felt like nothing I had ever known. At times it seemed as if the lighthouse, our lone refuge, would be reduced to splinters, 
and the storm only worsened as night fell. The leaks in the station multiplied and we were without enough buckets and pots to catch the deluge. There was no good humour to be had now. MacArthur muttered silent prayers wavering between religion, blasphemy and bitter drunkenness. Under darkness I did whisper a few prayers of my own. Marshall wept in his quarters, feverish and often addressing persons unseen. We took turns and held vigil outside his door. Sadly, I think we both harboured a fear, not that Marshall might perish from this fever, but of what he might do if and when his fever broke. MacArthur, you know better than to be drinking on lamp duty. It's his damn fault, the bloody fool. Dallying with matters not meant to be dallied with. What are you going on about? Have you not heard the things he speaks of in his sleep? Blood sacrifice and the like. Get a hold of yourself, man. You know what he would do if he had the strength? You know, don't you, Duckett? He's sick as all. We'd wake to find our bellies split open and our gizzards spilling onto that bloody rock, just like those birds. Only we'd coat the whole chapel in red, I wager. Aye. Heaven only knows how much blood would satisfy the devils here while God and all his angels sleep. Put away that bottle. You've had too much. Hear me out, Duckett. There's a novel solution to our predicament. What if we offer up the lad? If it might spare the two of us from being swept away in this storm, why not spill his blood? That's madness, MacArthur. Aye, but you'll not have me believe that such thought hasn't took root in some corner of your mind. That maybe we'd be relieved of this cursed storm if we'd do as the laddie says and make sacrifice of one of our own to that heathen wench she keeps babbling about. I'll not hear any more of this. <laughs> Where's your sense of humour, Duckett? Surely you know a jest. I find no humour in this. Well, I'll be checking the lamp. Daybreak soon. Not that we'll be able to tell in this damned weather. The storm had frayed my nerves, but even so, I remained certain that MacArthur did not speak solely in jest. And it became apparent this grim vigil must now include my first assistant. For at that moment... I no longer knew if I could trust him or any soul on this island. How are you, lad? Hungry. <laughs> I've got a hot meal on the table. How long was I in that state? Several days. We were worried your fever might not break. We must get to the landing quickly. What's happening? The crane has broken loose in the storm. I can see it from the lamp room. There's a box with mooring ropes hanging precariously. Uh, we'd best secure it while there's a break in the weather. Let's grab the oil skins and some tools. Sweet mother Mary, look at the wind has mangled the railing. There's not much time. Here, give me a hand with this. We'll have to tighten the crane before we lower the box into the landing. The wind's picking up. The storm's moving in faster than I expected. Good God, man. Those swaths must be 40 feet or better. Damn, this is a bloody hindrance. I lost the spanner. Careful, MacArthur. It's right at the edge. I'll get it. Another wave's rolling in. It's coming over the top of the landing. My God, MacArthur, grab hold of something.
Marshal, Marshal, come quickly. MacArthur's been swept into the water. Marshal, where are you? His, his bed's empty. Where could he have? Marshal, I need your help. We must attempt a rescue. He is lost. Marshal, what are you? The mistress has claimed him. This ghost who speaks to you. The one who keeps this aisle. She's not a ghost. You're not well, laddie. Uh, what is it you have behind you? Oh, put that knife away, Marshal. I'm sorry it comes to this, Ducket. Her will must be done. What, what do you mean? An offering must be made. Marshal, do you have any idea what you're saying? You should have taken me while I was weak with fever. Perhaps the mistress would have spared you Stay both. Stay clear of me, Marshal! It is a ritual ancient and sacred to that order of souls that dwelled here long ago. Those spirits that still haunt this island, they knew what must be done when the gales of winter rose. As do I. This is madness! Her will must be carried out. Merciful God, lad, there must be some shred of humanity left in you. We are free men in this world. Free to do as we wish, right or wrong, good or evil. There is no enchantress whose will we must follow. She is almighty. Her promises are golden whispers in my ear. That cross around your neck, son. Who gave it to you? It is no matter. Yet you still wear it. Where did it come from? A gift from my mother. God rest her. You know what it represents? If you believe in anything it stands for. If you honour her memory, then you will not do this. You're trying to confuse me. No. Put down the knife. There is no demon in hell that can take the heart of a good man. This is all your choice. She commands it. Blood must be shed or this storm will never end. Then do it, you bloody fool. Kill me now. Pierce my flesh with that blade and be done with it. I cannot do it. This is far too black a deed. I cannot do it. I cannot. There, there, young laddie. Forgive me, Ducket. I'll take that blade. You mustn't blame yourself. I can't. You are of pure heart. There are forces in this world too mighty for mere mortals like ourselves to fend off, such as this mistress. Don't fight it, Marshal. Let this life ebb from you like daylight on an autumn eve. It won't take long. You lied, Ducket. You heard her. You heard her voice all along. You heard her all along. Perhaps the rational side of me, that man of a freshly dawned 20th century, refused to admit the truth. But yes, I had heard this mistress from the moment I set foot on the island of Aelin Moor. I had not the gumption to deny her any more than Marshall. Once you toss the boy's body over the cliffs, the task is complete. Mix his blood into the waters and offer him to me. Go to the edge of the sea. It is there 
I wait. Join me upon the rocks below. I cleaned the floor and prepared to carry his lifeless form into the swirling maelstrom. I will do as the mistress says and commit Marshall to a watery grave just as his blood now stains my hands. I will join her in the carnal delights promised me that will surely mean my damnation. If someone is to find this account, I pray you and all others henceforth take caution when walking this cursed ground, for there is a presence here with the voice of an angel, older than the rock and mightier than the sea. Dear God. What did you toss in the water, Mr. Moore? Nothing, Mr. McCormick. What can I do for you? Still no sign of the lightkeepers? There's not going to be. I fear they've been claimed by the sea. It's the devil's work, I dare say. Don't be spreading unfound rumours, Mr. McCormick. It'll be hard enough for the Northern Board to find men for this duty without such spooky nonsense. It's growing dark. Yes. And the light must be lit. Did you hear that? What? Sounded like someone... Someone calling my name. Your superstitions will have the better of you yet. Did you not hear it? Mr. McCormick. It's only the wind. Just the wind. Now, come along. You can give me a hand preparing the lamp. Night will be upon us soon. You've been listening to Campfire Radio Theatre. Tonight's tale, Ghost of Flannan Lighthouse, was written, directed, and produced by John Ballantyne. UK production was directed by Matthew McLean, in association with Yop Audio. Featured in the cast were Robert Cudmore as Duckett, Matthew McLean as Marshall, Jim Balfour as MacArthur and McCormick. Rich Matheson as Moore, Blaine Hicklin as Captain Harvey, and Caitlin Snedden as the Mistress. Music by Kevin Hotnell. Sound design by Tim Holding and John Ballantyne. Additional sound courtesy of Free Sound Project. Mixing and post-production by John Ballantyne. Share the horror and visit us at CampfireRadioTheatre.com and on Facebook at Campfire Radio Theatre. Now is the ghost of Flannan Lighthouse um, by Campfire Radio Theatre. CampfireRadioTheatre.podbean.com Theatre with an E-R, the American way of spelling that word, folks. Uh, campfireradiotheater.podbean.com. Um, They've got a bunch of new stuff just in time for Halloween up at their website, so um, don't be afraid.
unless you, you want to be, be afraid, that, that would be fine too. All right, um, so we're down to the wire. We have uh, next week, October 30th, is sort of World Audio Drama Day. It is the whatever-ith anniversary of War of the Worlds, um, and there's some special programming planned for it. Uh, my own series, The Cleanse, will be coming out very, very, very soon, roughly around that date. And um, I hear that some of my friends at Oral Stage Studios may be cooking up something special. So uh, you can be assured that we will not leave you uh, w with a trick instead of a treat here in Radio Drama Revival. We just wouldn't do that to yes. So um, that being said, uh, we do have, you know, eight years of previous Halloween specials available at RadioDramaRevival.com. Go under genre, look for horror, uh, find some of those um, uh, amalgamations. Uh, you can use our app, search Radio Drum Revival, on the iTunes App Store or Google Play Market. You can also find us as a podcast, which is probably what you're listening to now, on um, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter, at Radio Drama, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Radio Drama Revival. And that is a wrap for this week. Radio Drama Revival, produced by yours truly, Frederick Greenhalge. Our submissions editor is Monique Boudreau of Oral Stage Studios. Copyright of individual shows remains that are original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival is a production of Radio Drama Revival, LLC. This podcast at radiodramarevival.com is a labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week. Mm -hmm.